Hello, and welcome back to The Catch. My name is Michael Adams. I'm joined by my co-host, John Rahimi, today. John, how's it going? Pretty good. Buenas tardes a todos. Si. Wait, what? No, that doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to say... Uh, I actually don't know what you would say. E- e yes, you too. You, you, you as well, yeah. You as well. Um, and also with your spirit. You should have some of that good no. afternoon, too. This morning, I was actually trying to like remind myself how to do the like the sign of the cross in Spanish. I, like, I have no pra- idea how to do it. I was like, practicing in the car for some reason. I was like driving around. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to try it right now because it was bad. <laughs> um, but I was like trying to teach myself it for no apparent reason because I speak zero percent. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. Yeah, Mister, yeah, I don't know how to do it. Seven years of Spanish paid off. That's seminary for you. What? No, that wasn't seminary. That was grade <laughs> school, middle school, and high school. I learned I, a little I, bit. I took, I think, five or six years of Spanish, and I retained very little. Un poco, one could say. <laughs> one could say. One could say un poco. <laughs> One wouldn't, but they could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I. Some of the guys were doing their Spanish immersions this summer, and now they all speak really good Spanish. And I feel really bad about myself because I, I was like, I did Spanish for seven years. I don't know anything. And, and they always do it half the vocab. It like, takes oh. them like two or three months, and they're like full fluent, and they're just like rocking with it. I, I just don't understand. I guess it's the whole immersion part. I know yeah. uh, Mick was doing the Spanish immersion this year, mm-hmm. and he was doing like four to five hours a day of like just he would only speak spanish that was it that was all he could do which would be just impossible to communicate anything for me but i have created a new goal for myself um, which includes learning another language but it is not spanish is italian 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 i made a mental goal the other day about it i don't know yeah, I don't know anything Italian. Somebody asked me what what personal skill I would gain right now if I could, with like the snap of my fingers. And I was like, I would love to be able to speak Italian like fluently. And I also want to take a trip to Italy next year, yeah, and this fine. is an in preparation of that trip. There we go. Then I could kind of survive. I also oh, have like there. this weird desire to live on like a really small village in the foothills of Italy and just like <laughs> become a hermit. <laughs> and I couldn't do so if I didn't speak any Italian. So this, this is, is like this is preparation. Yeah. yeah. I this is I want to learn Spanish because I want to do the Camino next summer mm. after my 30 day. God willing that we can get over there. But if I can, I want to know how to speak Spanish and be able to talk to people on the on the walk. So that'd be really cool. That's my goal. Can you can you say this in in Italian? Do you know how to say that? Blue moon. Yeah. Um uh, I got the hand motion. That's all. <laughs> The, the three fingers and thumb together that makes it italian <laughs> all i know they'll understand me then though oh crap dude i forgot to start the timer again i literally opened it up and then didn't start it it's okay yeah. the, pod, the podcast will either be 20 minutes or 50 minutes or, There's yeah. no in between. <laughs> we apologize in advance for everyone who has to listen <laughs> anyways yeah so i i thought about doing duolingo this summer and then i kind of do it with me all that i dropped a ball on that one are you doing do it that? with me. I'm, I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna do the Italian thing. I don't know how, how else I would learn. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I've heard it's mixed free. reviews of Duolingo. I, I tried it a couple of years ago, and it's just all right. Like Adam swore by it when he was doing Spanish. He thought it was great before he went to Peru. But Ooh. I have heard other things about Duolingo. It just kind of like doesn't. They give you really weird like vocab words, like really weird sentences that you would never say ever. Um. So yeah, I don't know. 
I did it in preparation for Peru as well for that mission trip. Um, and I'll just put it this way. I still needed the translator next to me the entire time. Well, how long did you do it for? Not as long as Adam, but I did it. I did it like, it was like kind of like yeah. a refresher course for me. Like I took like the Duolingo sure. test to like place me. Oh, okay. And it placed yeah. me a lot lower than what my experience said I should have done. Um, <laughs> Classic. And then I did it yeah, for like a couple of weeks and it just didn't, didn't pan out for me well. Yeah, yeah that happens. But I was, I, because that was when Adam was, what year was that? When did you guys go to Peru? It's my sophomore year, so you're junior. Oh, so we were living across from each other. Yeah, we were, yeah, we lived together. Wait, so when, when did I hear? Maybe he had a year before that. Because I remember like being, I would be like in the bathroom and then his room is right, you know, outside the bathroom. And I would hear him like doing his Duolingo. It was either that or a family guy. So uh, one of the two, or Call of Duty, one of those three. Could have been anything, honestly. This makes him sound like a terrible person. He was very, uh, he did. He was a dedicated student during college. He didn't just play Call of Duty. Yeah, very successful man. Yeah. <laughs> He's married now. We can, we can say that. Yeah, exactly. He, he made it. He made it. <laughs> He made it. That's right. No, he only makes it when he has a kid. Once he has his first child, then I'll say he's made it. Mm, that's that's the standard. Yeah, that's the standard I'm giving. So what's what's the standard for you making it as a priest then? Uh, no, you know, when I get ordained, it's not ordained. much much lower standard. <laughs> so come on now, like yeah, there's got to be a similar bar, right? No, 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 not at all. I'll I'll, uh, I'll call you Father John after your first mass, but not before. Good. That's good. No, Wait, even no. if. Yeah, between, from when between you were the 12, ordained, twelve hours between. It's <laughs> gonna be a lot of John, no father. Would you actually call it Father John? Would I call you Father John? Yeah, I feel like most. I feel like you would want me to. I don't know. I feel like it'd be kind of weird. Father John, like in front of other people, maybe. But like, if it was just like us, like talking, oh, like a casual conversation like this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. I've never really thought of it. I kind of always assumed that it, out of like a respect thing, and like that's what you would want to be called. It's like those people who are like got their PhDs. Like, oh, excuse me, my name is Doctor. It's like, okay, that bothers me. But... My brother's gonna be like that. I'm telling you right now. Oh no, I probably shouldn't say that. He's gonna listen to this. <laughs> he doesn't listen to us. Are we kidding? Um, That's okay. But you know, I don't. I don't think I would be all prickly about that. Well, I get really annoyed with people who don't call priests father. There was a big debate I saw the other day. Just call me John. Like, I'm just yeah, your friend. Exactly, and that really bothers me. Yeah. No. Um, but I, I think maybe. It's I the family and like personal, like really close relationships, yeah. maybe. Um, like I could never imagine like my parents calling me like father if I was a priest. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. Like in front of other, I think in front of other people in public, it makes sense just for, like different. so that they like, you yeah. know, that's whatever. But um, yeah, if you've had a personal relationship beforehand, before that point and, you know, you're close enough, it's, I think it's kind of normal to like, you know, that your friend or your brother or whatever. So I have friends that are definitely going to demand that I call them father. I'm just going to, I'm going to end banter with that. There's definitely a couple <laughs> people I have in mind. that are going to be like, you will call me father, which is okay. I have no qualms against that. I, I won't, I won't. Complain. The only time will be in conf- when I hear your confession, then you have to call me father. Oh no. <laughs> I'm going to make my confession really wild. I'm just going to go out for a week and just do crazy things that really, <laughs> that aren't really sins. Like the whole, like that's weird, but not a sin. I'm going to do a sin. bunch of those where yeah. I, so I'm not like, falling into debauchery or anything it's just a matter of you're gonna be like what am i listening to right now (laughs) well i'm glad you actually said that uh, you would you would go because most people i say that to are like i would never go to you oh i'm uh, years i used to be like this like i used to never go to the priest that i knew like visitation visiting priest oh heck yeah get a confession (laughs) from him he won't know any of my dirt 
but now it's to a point where it's like, if I'm close enough to someone, if I'm close enough to a priest, it's like, they know how big of an idiot I am. Like, I'm not going to say anything that's going to surprise them. They're going to be yeah. like, sounds about right. So I imagine that's how it would be with you as well. Yeah. It's going to be a huge penance. That's what I'm not excited about. <laughs> no, I've never do that. Have you ever pushed back on penance before? Like, if somebody's like... No, who told us that? Was that Father Chase who told us that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I have never done that. How I have you like, thought... deny penance and, like, demand a different one or something? Yeah, like, I, I thought about it one thing. time because the priest told me to do something. I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> and then it happened, like, right as I, like, walked out of the church. It was like something I'd, like, go do some, like, act. And I was like, uh, no way I'm going to be able to do that. And then it, like, just kind of happened. And I was like, touche, touche. <laughs> well, again, thank you for bringing up confession, John. It's like you almost knew the topic for today or something, which is the sacrament of confession. Wow. What a segue. Which is honestly not my favorite sacrament comp- in compared to other sacraments because I think they're all kind of equal in my head. But confession has been the one that's probably grown the most on me in mm. the last like three years. Like I've come to love confession. Yeah. Maybe I frequent it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking, maybe there's been periods in my life where I've had to go more often than I do now, but that's okay. Um, but again, like, I, I don't know what it is about it. I think just that moment to almost like reconvert back mm. into like union with Christ, I think is something that's been very beautiful for me. Yeah. So I mean, it's grown a lot on me. I don't really know what your experience of it is in total. Um, yeah, I think kind of a similar thing. I definitely had a period of my life where... Um, when I say a beard, I mean, I mean like two years where I was like, nope, I'm not going to confession. I would like tell people, because um, at Northridge they had, we had chapel period every week. So like mm-hmm. religion class one day a week would be chapel period and the priest would give a little meditation and then he'd go in the confessional and then everyone would either like you'd pray the rosary and if you wanted, you'd go to confession, whatever. Um, so I would just sit there and fall asleep. That was like my second nap time other than study hall. And I would just pass out and then tell everyone, oh, I'm just going to sleep now because I don't need to go to confession. I go to confession at home at my parish where none of you go. You can't see me, but I'm actually not going there. Um, you don't so know I was just online. Like, yeah, you don't know online. So I would just tell everyone that I was going and then I was like, wow, that's great. And even in college too, like when I had like my kind of uh, reckoning with it and realizing, oh, no, it was actually a really good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing the beauty of it and actually like, wanting to go. Um, but it also became kind of one of those things where uh, you kind of, I kind of use it as a, as a crutch almost to be like, if I just go to confession, it's going to be like this little like magical sprinkle dust over me and I'll kind of just become better. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's times I was going like, I don't know, like I would sometimes go like twice a week. I'm sure there are people who probably looked at me and being like, wow, look at him. He's going to confession so often. I'm like, yeah, because I suck and I am doing <laughs> horrible things. I have been there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy road with my relationship with the sacrament. Yeah. I, I can definitely relate to a lot of the things you just said, obviously. Um, but yeah, today I wanted to kind of dig into like what the sacrament is and just some of like the little, maybe like origins of it or why confession is a thing. Because there's the whole idea of, you know, why do we need confession after baptism? Like, it doesn't baptism forgive us of sins? Oh, like, yeah. um, why do we have to keep com- keep continually coming back to confession? Mm-hmm. Also kind of just what it, what it signifies, what it does, all the good things. Um, but first, I want to go back to El Catechismo, uh, the catechism. Ooh. I don't know if that was a way of saying it in Spanish or something, <laughs> yeah, but it might have been. Check that. Um, of kind of what, what it described the sacrament of confession to be. And at the heart of it, it says that it is an acknowledgement and praise of the holiness of God and of his mercy towards sinful man. Mm. Which I found very interesting because I've always thought of it more as like, uh, I'm an idiot. I'm going to go to confession and he's just going to kind of 
wipe me to have a clean slate. Um, yeah. Which isn't entirely wrong. I was an idiot and he did wipe the slate clean. Um, but it kind of goes back to the motivation behind confession. Like this goes into it's out of acknowledgement and praise of the holiness and mercy. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's right on. There was, um, I was trying to look it up while you were talking, but I don't think I'm able to find it now, but the, um, in one of the, there's intercessions in liturgy, the hours that we do. And one of them, that really struck me because yeah, as you just said here, but it was um, like, or maybe it was one of the Psalms. I don't know. Either way, it says like God looks at man or sees men as sinners so that he can like show them and give them his mercy. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, Oh, well, I don't know why that like struck me so much, but it's kind of this like, yeah, like it's so that he can show his mercy. It's not like out of some judgment or like you're horrible or, you know, you're bad and kind of a condemning notion, but like, no, it's so that he can pour out his generous love and mercy upon us. And re- like, and he recognizes the fallenness and the state that we're in, in reality and not kind of like pushing it aside or blowing it out. Like, it's just like, no, this is the reality and this is who I am. So I pour out my love and my mercy upon you so that like you can receive that because you need it. Yeah, he sees like the, like the whole idea of like knowing the entire true identity of mankind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that idea. Like if we didn't sin, if we didn't sin every once in a while and we didn't have to go to confession, then we would no longer need God. And we'd become extremely prideful people who were self-sufficient and kind of thought of ourselves as God, um, which again is not accurate. Um, yeah, but we do it all the time. Like we constantly think um, that we're going to, I don't need God right now or, uh, you know, whatever. So we, we kind of inhabit the self-reliant, self-sufficient attitude that isn't really helpful because without him, without that, we don't exist, like mm-hmm. period. So like we always, always need him um, and his love and mercy. So yeah, if we didn't kind of like recognize our sinfulness and recognize our need for a savior to save us and to bring us to life, uh, we'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which kind of leads me to, first, before we like get into confession, just like almost the idea of like, sinfulness um mm. specifically like, putting ourselves in like the near occasions of sin and like Ooh. putting ourselves in compromising situations i know you and i have discussed this a lot recently um <laughs> because i know it's something that we've both struggled with over our lifetime yeah. um but this idea of i knowing that we are self-sufficient like oh i can do this because i'm strong enough to when it like when it comes push comes to shove i'm gonna be able to like resist like i'm not gonna no. fall into sin or like I'm strong enough to put myself in this situation because my relationship with God is so good that mm. no matter what happens here, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to fall. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, oh, this is, this is a lot harder to resist temptation than I thought it was. And it's that whole idea. And I've read this in a couple of different books where it's, it's out of pride where we're like, we are self-sufficient. There is no need for God. Like our own strength can deliver us from these temptations. And it's a matter yeah. of, you know, knowing ourselves and knowing when and when not to put ourselves in the situations, knowing when we do have the strength to resist and also knowing when we should run and just run for our life. Yeah. And this is like the kind of what I said before about like this magical, you know, God dust that kind of gets put on us, but it's like, uh, there was a homily that the, one of the newly ordained priests who was at the parish I was assigned to, he gave that really like struck this home for me, but all he said was really simple was that like, you know, when you're in this moment, he's talking about temptation. Um, when you're in this moment of temptation, just potential to, to sin and fall, ask for the strength of God. And for whatever reason, like that was, it just kind of like light bulb moment where I realized, oh, he's not saying, um, you know, God strengthen me 
it was give me your strength, God, mm-hmm. because without that, I can't actually do it. So it's not like God sprinkles his, his grace upon us. And then like, you know, if we're thinking about our, our life of virtue and, and holiness, like muscles on our body, it's not like God sprinkles us dust and our muscles get like jacked. And then we're like, okay, like now I'm strong and I can overcome this and do it. It is rather that like God comes into us and strengthens us and like enlivens us to fight against that temptation. If we fling ourselves upon him and receive him totally so that we can fight against the temptation. Otherwise the, the thing is like, well, I'm so great. Look how strong I am. I can do all this stuff myself. Um, and that's just not the case. Now that being said, like, yeah, we need to foster a life of virtue and live virtuously to strengthen ourselves so as to more greatly receive and open our capacity even more to receive God's strength and his life within us so we can combat these, uh, these temptations more readily. Otherwise, like, again, grace isn't magic. It's not just going to make us like strong and ready to fight back. Like we need to um, cultivate ourselves so that we can be built upon in a real, in a real way, like grace built on nature. Mm-hmm. I was in confession um, only a couple of weeks ago and uh, I talked about the near occasions of sin with this, uh, this older priest, like real gruff voice, kind of <laughs> hey. harsh, honestly, which I, I appreciated. I'm more of like that. I respond well to that kind of harsh negativity towards myself at times. Um, and he, he asked the question, like, are you strong enough to resist temptation when it's before you? And I was like, uh, and before I could even start my sense, he goes, no, you're not, you are weak. And I was like, Oh, okay, I'm weak. He's like, you are weak. Only God is strong. Now go out there and for your penance, pray that God would give you his strength mm, and wow. he would allow you to not put yourself in bad situations where you are weak. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. It really like shook me almost. I walked out. I was like, I am like almost bothered. I was like kind of frazzled, you know, like when somebody like yells at you and like mm. for the rest of the day, you're kind of like frazzled, like on edge. Like he's like, no, yeah. have no idea what to think about yourself. Yeah, right. It's the exact same feeling, but it was almost just like, a peaceful frazzlement where I was like, mm-hmm. Oh man, like he has a, he has a point. Like it's completely based out of pride that I'm like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well off right now. Like my faith is, my faith's good. And yeah. then I always prove myself wrong <laughs> in the face of temptation. Um, but kind of going back into like when we do fall into sin and, you know, when we're preparing for confession, like there's always the examination of conscious, um, but before we get into that, I kind of wanted to talk to you. We discussed this actually before we started podcasting, uh, like almost having a relationship with Christ, whether it's a labor of love or a labor of fear. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've kind of noticed it within myself when it comes to confession, understanding why I'm going con- going to confession. Like, yes, there's a desire to go there and receive forgiveness and mercy and like have the slate washed clean. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I had to pray for for a very long time was that my relationship with Christ would become a labor of love rather than yeah. a labor of fear. And I found that a lot of the times I was going to confession wasn't necessarily because I was like, Oh, I want to receive God's mercy and forgiveness. It was, I don't want to die tomorrow and go to hell. Like that sounds awful. And if I do die, I just want to make sure I go to heaven. It was more ensuring my future rather yeah. than it was reconciling my relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think back to my, like when I was a kid, um, in, in grade school, like when you, you know, we went to confession as a school twice a year for before Christmas and before Easter. Mm. Um, and you could, obviously you could, you could go more than that, but we just kind of like, that was like when the, the set times were, but I remember like going, and I would always go in and I would leave like just in tears. Um, like as a little second grader or like as a third grader, or whatever, like I remember just being like bawling. Um, and I remember being not as much like afraid of 
like going to hell. But like, I just remember like, I felt so relieved to have given over like those things and to have said them out loud. Um, and it was a really beautiful experience. Then fast forward like 10 years and it was the exact opposite. I wouldn't, I just like, I wouldn't even go. As I said before, like, I wouldn't even go because I was so scared to say those things. And then when I got to college and started to talk, like to actually go more frequently, it was precisely what you said. Like it was because I don't want to go to hell. Like I just did this thing. Um, I don't want to die and go to hell. Or uh, I want to be able to receive communion, not because I want God, I want to receive his life, but I want to make sure that everyone knows that I'm not in the state of mortal sin so I can go up in front of everyone and they can say, like, oh, look at him. He's, yeah, you don't have to cross the arms. Don't have to cross the arms and be embarrassed. Um, and feel ashamed of myself and be like, oh gosh, they probably, you know, now they think less of me or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to not be in that, that mode of thinking. And I don't know what, what, um, what act of contrition do you use? Cause there's one that I learned, like when I was, um, at Northridge that, that I've used since, um, but I know people have different ones. I do the, oh my God, I'm hardly sorry for having offended you. Yeah. Okay. I so touched all one. my sins. Okay. Yeah. But like, right. So that one even says like, um, I detest all my sins because of thy just punishment. But most of all, because of the continues. my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. And that's the, more recently, honestly, um, that has come to, I was just like, I just went to confession yesterday, actually. So like, I just like was trying to pray that more readily. Um, that's what I'm going to talk about next week when we do um, the podcast and the examine. Um, but saying the act of contrition, like really like, from the heart and trying to like imagine I've been trying to imagine like myself as the prodigal son, mm-hmm. like before the father. So it's not like God, this kind of like, Oh wow. Like there's God, but like my father, I'm confessing my sin and my contrition and my sorrow to my father. Um, and to see his reaction to that and kind of like be present with him in that moment. So yes, I, in justice, I'm sorry for what I've done because that shouldn't have happened. And that was an offense against you who are God. But as a father, like you deserve all my love and my whole heart, my whole being, I, that's the, that's the attitude I want to have in being sorrowful and, and confessing my sins, not just because yes, it was wrong and um, it would send me to hell, but rather I want to convert and be in a relationship with you, not just kind of like an insurance policy. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't have said that better myself. Kind of just speechless to be completely honest, but um yeah, it's something that I still struggle with. And I think a lot of people I talk to also struggle with um, yeah. this motivation that comes out of fear rather than love. And it's not like there's a quick fix to it either. Um, at least mm-hmm. I've learned that it's not something you can say, oh, I'm going to change my mindset about it. Yeah. Like next time I go to confession, I'm going to make sure I like consider how much I love God and how much I offended him and like how I just want to be back in union with him. Mm-hmm. It's It's a continual challenge and you kind of just have to keep trying to grow in it and one thing that's helped me is it's more like mentally reminding myself. Like, yeah. This isn't about heaven or hell. This is about loving Christ. And this is about receiving love as well. Like it's, it's a giving of my love and also a receiving of his. It's not just like a check the box. Like, Oh, did Michael sin? Okay. Yes, 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 he did. But did he go to confession? Yes. Okay. Check. That's good. Like we're all good. Um, it, that's that idea of just kind of almost like service and just, Oh, we just need to check box everything. And there's no real, yeah. event happening it's just like a moment where it's like okay everything's good now everything's restored it's not like there's any moment for real action to take place within that mm. relationship yeah i think that's key right there you said it like it's the difference between seeing like do i view heaven as a, uh, a prize to be won or a relationship to be lived in eternally mm-hmm. like 
the church teaching is that like heaven is the state of like is being with God in union with him in the beatific vision um, as St. Thomas will say. But like a lot of times we just kind of assume like, no, heaven's that kind of prize that, that I've won by living a good moral life and kind of doing the right things all the time. So like confession kind of becomes like, mm, like I just kind of went down on the, on the progress bar and I got to mm-hmm. work my way back up. It's like, this is kind of a dangerous way of looking at it. Um, like, yeah, you need to make reparations for your sin and, and all these things, but to view it such that like, uh, it becomes kind of like these checks and balances, like, like back and forth, it becomes very scrupulous and there's no room for love there. Um, because you're not like being with the person, there's no room for growth until, you know, kind of that ebb and flow that we always talk about. Yeah. It, it becomes much more, uh, robotic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I think of confession, I, I asked this question earlier, um, about why do we need confession and why mm. do we need forgiveness post baptism? Cause baptism cleanses us of original sin. And like, aren't we yeah. good after that? Um, I actually wanted to quote St. Ambrose who says water of baptism, or he describes baptism and confession. And he says water of baptism and tears of repentance. Um, and when he says this, what he's emphasizing is the, the need for multiple conversions. Yeah. Like there's the primary conversion that occurs during baptism but in the need for confession in the need for return. Um, and I always think of something, some priest once told me like, we have no authority to do what Jesus did not do. Like, mm-hmm. Everything Jesus do, did is what we are allowed to do. And we are allowed to do no more, no less. Um, and one of the examples that really struck me with this was the idea of Peter, like the restoral of Peter after he denied mm-hmm. Christ three times. And yeah. uh, after like the resurrection, he comes face to face with Christ and what does Peter say? He doesn't really say anything. He doesn't really know how to say it. And all Jesus asks is, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And Peter's response is, of course I do. Of course I love you. That occurs three times. Um, it's the idea of, you know, Peter already has relationship. There was already union between him and Christ, but he recognized the need for forgiveness. And he recognized that it wasn't a forgiveness that he just needed to kind of think about like, Oh, I'm really sorry. I did that. He knew he needed to actually go to Christ to the point where he jumps out of the boat and swims to Christ before the boat even gets to shore. Cause he yeah. couldn't wait any longer. I um, mean, mm-hmm. he needed Christ to know that he loved him. And I think, I think it's ex- another curious um, coincidence that Christ doesn't say, are you sorry? Are you, are you sorry? Mm-hmm. Of course I'm sorry. Like, are you sure you're sorry? Like I yeah. really want to know you're sorry. All he asks is, do you love me? And if you love me, all is forgiven. All is washed clean. Yeah, I think that's a good takeaway from that. It's really beautiful. Just like, it's not, you know, he doesn't point out those wrong bits. It's about love. Like, do you love me? Um, I think that's what I've always been moved by, by certain priests who I've been to for confession. And even like, uh, Father Mike has a really good video. Um, so if you haven't watched that, go look up. Uh, I think it's on like the 99's YouTube page, but it's like uh, confession is a place of victory. Go watch that video. It's beautiful. Um, but it's all point is like, yeah, it's a, it's a place of, of victory and of love. Um, it's not a place of like defeatism where it's like, you know, are you sorry for what you did? Um, like that's very accusatory, right? Like that voice of accusation um, that even in, I think it's in Revelation, it was like the 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 accuser of our brothers is cast out. 
is what the, the, the passage says. That's Satan, right? Like the voice of Satan is the one who accuses us and tries to shame us through accusation. Whereas God is the one who calls us back into love. Do you love me? Uh, and like I, a lot of times you'll hear people say, um, I don't know where this comes from, but people will say like at the end of time at, at your judgment, um, your personal judgment, you'll see Jesus face to face and he'll ask you, you know, did you love me? Like, that's the question. That's the one question you will ask you is, did you love me? And in the face of truth and, and, and the light of Christ, you will not be able to, like you, you will, you will tell the truth and you will say like what your what is on your heart and it'll be yes or no. Um, like, how did you live your life? Did you love me or did you not? Um, and you will receive what you, what you loved. Um, so I think, yeah, to, to foster that sense of, of love is, is so important, but to baptism, like, yeah, why do we, why do we still confess our sins afterwards? Uh, because we still are in need. Like it's a mystery, um, that I don't quite fully understand, but we are not like made perfect by baptism. Um, we are, we are brought into God's family. We are brought into relationship with Christ, uh, with God through Christ being incorporated into his body. But, uh, we still have concupiscence. We still have like the effects of the fall that make us susceptible to fall, like to, to fall basically like the, our image of God is present, but the likeness of God, say we were made an image of likeness of God. We have lost that likeness and that needs to be restored through Christ. And that's the work of a lifetime of converting and converting over and over again through the sacraments and receiving God's life so that uh, it's no longer the I that live, that Christ lives within me, that his light then penetrates through me. So I think that's kind of like a more like mystical look at what's kind of going on behind it. Like, why do we need to keep going to confession? Like what's the reason for it? No, it's, it's necessary to understand the almost mystical side of yeah. it too, though. Cause I mean, there's the logical side, which is good, but it's almost limited. Cause again, it is a mystery and there is really no, perfect logical explanation of what confession is what occurs there and Mm -hmm. why it is so critical to the christian life um but again like going into what we see christ do like how many times in scripture in the gospel does he say uh, like bless you for your faith your sins are forgiven now go in Mm. peace yeah Um, or go tell of what you've like go tell of what you've seen or go tell us what what has happened to you Mm -hmm. and even where the pharisees go who is this that has the power to forgive sins. Yeah. Um, so again, like that idea, even back then, there's that example of the need to go to Christ. And most of the people are on their knees crying in tears, like, please forgive me of my wrongs. Like, and Christ is not moved by their like apology. He's moved by their love of him. It's always that yeah, your their faith, faith has and, saved you. Yeah. It's not your apology has saved you. It's your faith has saved you and your sins are forgiven. Um, yeah which is ironic because that's also what the priest says to you at the end of confession, not the faith to save you, but uh, your sins are forgiven. Now go in peace. Yeah. Um, and I love how they use that directly from scripture. Um, but going into actually the actual sacrament of when we are in the confessional preparation for confession and then also post confession mm. with penance. Um, I'm not going to touch much on examination of conscience because we're going to talk about that in a very near podcast. Um, but I want to focus on what happens post confession because we've talked about what it is. It's that forgiveness. It's that allowing Christ to enter the heart, allowing that mercy to really encounter yourself and around yourself to convert and be brought back into union with Christ, with the father, with the church itself as well. Um, so again, penance, something that I've always really struggled with. Um, just why do we need penance? I don't know. 
the whole idea of fasting or giving almsgiving or doing prayer seeming more like I needed to earn back my love. Um, yeah. But when we think of like what penance really is, it's something very beautiful, which I just wanted to kind of discuss with you because I know, I think I actually had this conversation with you a couple of years ago about penance and we talked about, you know, what does it do? Like whether it's required to actually do it. Like what if I forget to do my penance? Like what is that? Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of just see what your uh, musings are on it. Yeah, I think, I mean, right. So going before, and I want to quote this from, this is Psalm 51, um, which we've referenced before, I think a couple weeks ago, um, as a good Psalm to look at either um, before or after. Um, It's just a beautiful, beautiful reading to look at. So uh, towards the end, he says, um, for in sacrifice, you take no delight, burnt offering from me, you would refuse my sacrifice, a contrite spirit, a humbled contrite heart, you will not spurn. This is David speaking, speaking to God and pouring his heart out in, in contrition for what he'd done. And it's always very moving to me that he says, you know, my sacrifice is a contrite spirit, a humbled and contrite heart, right? A sorrowful heart, not this kind of grandiose uh, penance where like, you know, hair shirt, ashes, you know, like extreme fasting, like all these really intense things, which again, not bad. Um, but they're not like this that doing extreme things does not make God more like forgiving towards you or, you know, whatever. Um, in reality, what he desires most is your, your contrition, your sorrow for your sins and not sorrow because of like, uh, look how bad I am. Um, but really like in looking at Jesus, we see how much his heart is hurt by the sin that we've committed. And how much it's, it, it hurts other people too. Because I think a lot of times you just think about sin is, oh, that hurt me and it's bad and I need to get myself better. It's like, yeah, but sin has an effect on everyone. And we the believe ripple, that. Like, the ripple effect of it. Yeah, on. we really believe that sin does affect everyone. Um, our sin is not just our own. It, it does affect other people. So um, even the ones that are done in private. So to, to recognize that like, yeah, to see Jesus and to look at how much it hurts his heart and then how much it hurts his heart that other people are being hurt, the ones we've affected directly or indirectly. And that's where our sorrow is coming from. Um, it's not about ourselves. It's about another person. And that was something that, like, I, I really came to on my retreat was that like going through my life and my general confession and kind of looking at these things was seeing like looking at these sins that I've always kind of remembered and like I had a really hard time letting go of just being like, look, that was so bad. But seeing Jesus' face and kind of going through that with him to go through it with him was to go through it in such a way that I was just watching him the whole time. I'm just like watching me like, Oh, this is why this was bad. Cause look at your heart, look at your, like your face and just look how much you're, you're pained by this. And that's what caused like this overwhelming feeling of sorrow. For, like I, I don't want to ever do that again because I don't want to hurt you. Jesus. Not because I don't want myself to be like in a state of sin or like this kind of selfish taking, but I don't want to hurt Jesus. There's a difference I want to emphasize too, between that sorrow that you're talking about and also despair, which I know we've talked about before too. Mm, yeah, yeah. But there is a very fine line, and it's a huge difference. And yeah, um, the temptation is to go inwards of um, just I'm not good enough. I don't deserve your love. Yeah, I don't deserve this restoration. That's not. That's not it. Like the yeah. idea of sorrow is, I might not deserve it, but it's okay. I have it, um, and I don't want to wrong you again. Like out of love, I I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to harm you. Um, yeah, and this is like this is Father Mike's thing. About like, it's a place of victory. It's not a place of defeat. Like, despair is the defeat of like. There's no hope. There's nothing that could. No good could come of this, ever again. Rather that, 
recognizing and trusting too. Like this is a big thing of confession is like when we leave the confessional to trust that my sins have been forgiven really. And they've been wiped away. Um, that's not just some kind of like nice little phrase, but they're God's still got his checklist of like, remember on March 8th. Yeah. I still have that down. Um, I can't remember what book I was reading of this, but someone, um, it was the sacred heart, the story of the devotion, of the sacred heart. Mm-hmm. When the priest was testing the sister who was, um, having these visions, he asked her, you know, asked Jesus, um, what my last mortal sin was. And then I'll kind of like believe you. So he come back and he says, what was my last mortal sin? What did he say? And she said, he didn't, he doesn't remember. So really like to let it go. I mean, that's a, it's a hard thing to do, but to let it go. And I know I've shared this with you, Michael, and some other people like this, this wonderful image of, um, when we go to confession, if we imagine ourselves like in the light of the cross, like before Jesus on the cross, who's by that cross won our salvation and won the forgiveness of our sins in the light of that cross, we receive it. But then we have this tendency to go kind of off to the side into the shadows and you're like, Oh, I, should, I need to go back there because I don't really think I've been forgiven. That's where I've always been. I kind of belong there. In reality, it's like, no, like he's inviting us to now stay in this light and to hold fast to the cross, to really like cling to it. And again, like, this becomes not a burden, but a great victory to be like, I'm holding tight. Look, look at the triumph that I've won in my savior um, versus this kind of defeatist, like gremlin, like kind of thing. We kind of crouch into the shadows. And kind of like, yeah. I mean like really that's honestly what it is. It's like yeah. just in his cave away from the world in the darkness. Like, yeah. Uh, hunched over his sin. So I think it's so important for us to remember to like, let go and trust that you have been forgiven. Like I know scrupulosity is a big problem for a lot of people, but um yeah, just keep asking the Lord for for hope and trust in His mercy. Yeah, that the whole idea of victory is so convicting for me. Um, and I want to kind of speak more into that. And one of the questions that I've always been asked about confession is like, oh well, yeah, I believe that my sins have been forgiven, but maybe I do struggle with the idea of knowing like, did He really forgive me for that one? You know, yeah. that really bad one. Did He forgive me for that? Um, something that's helped me a lot. Something that came from a focus talk. Um, probably in my junior year of college, um, I talked about, you know, how specific should we get during confession? Like, mm. do I need to tell you the whole backstory, what happened and then what happened in like the fallout? Yeah. No, you don't. I don't, he don't, they don't need to hear everything. Um, but they did say it's, it's like a doctor and Christ is the doctor. Uh, yeah. Like, if I break my arm and the, I go to the doctor, like, okay, what'd you do? And I'm like, well, my arm hurts. Like, okay. <laughs> Like what hurts in it? Like, oh, my forearm hurts on the bottom side. Like, like yeah. my whatever the bone is, I can't even remember right now. Like my ulna hurts. Like my ulna bone feels broken. Um, then the doctor can get and heal that specific spot much yeah. better. Yeah. Um, or if like you have a stomach ache. Like if you ever ask me, like, well, my stomach hurts. It's like okay, like what hurts in your stomach? Like is it your stomach or is it your appendix or is it this that and the other? Um, and the more specific you can be with a doctor, the more specific their treatment can be to you yeah. and the quicker and more effective your healing yeah. is going to come. And it's the same thing in confession. It's like, when I was a little kid, a priest actually told me, he's like, oh, you know, if you really want to, you could be like, you know, father, that really bad one. I'm sorry for that too. Oh, dude. Which I'm still <laughs> so upset that he told me that. That's still a, a load of crap. Like it just is oh not okay. Um, like I, I luckily always felt too guilty to do that. Um, and this isn't, that's not condemning anyone who does do that, but the amount of like peace that I gained from actually saying my sins out loud and saying them specifically what happened and what I did and how yeah. I partook in them, mm-hmm. the amount of peace 
and just joy that flew over that moment is infinitely more. And I, I bring back up like St. Ambrose's quote, tears of repentance. Um, yeah. It's a real thing, like saying those words out loud and saying the sins and calling them out and naming them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's moving it's emotionally, spiritually, all of those. I still will never forget Father Luke having his arms around me in oh, my dude. first confession in years at my freshman oh. overnight retreat. I'll wow. never forget that moment. Dude. Um, and that was the first Beautiful. time I'd ever said those sins out loud to another person wow. without like glorifying them. I was calling them out and being like, yeah. no, these are wrong. And I, God deserves better than that. That was the first time I'd actually acknowledged wow. Wow. that. And understanding that we, need, we are in need of a healer. We are in need of the doctor of Christ. So we have to tell him truly where we are broken, where mm-hmm. we are hurting, so that we can allow him to actually give us the full healing we need. That's the idea of going into the light and staying in the light. Yeah. If we, if we get that full healing, now we are able to stay in light. Otherwise we're going to keep going back to the thing that hurt us. Cause it's like, well, it still hurts. And now you're going to have to keep coming to the doctor back over and over and over. Cause it still hurts. It still pains you and you're still struggling with it. Whereas like, if you receive that full healing, yeah. now you can stay there. Now you can hold up that cross, that whole sword of victory, yeah. you know, that stamp, like I did it. I'm here. Um, yeah, and I think maybe just a uh, as a final thought from from me, but the um, going back to what you said about the penance thing, like that right there is like the penance is is there for to strengthen you in this um, kind of effort to stay in the light. To as you like, as you go to the doctor, then you leave. Like you don't go to the doctor and be like, well, let me just keep doing like all that stuff that was you know causing problems. Like you start to change your life based on like what the doctor has told you like you need to do to make yourself healthy. So the penance there is like kind of like that. Uh, strengthening and turning towards God in like a real way um, to move you in that direction, get you started moving that direction towards him again. Um, you know, your, your absolution, the forgiveness of your sin is not conditional upon like you doing it perfectly. Um, it's not like, I, I'm not saying like, don't do your penance. Like it doesn't matter. Like, no, your penance absolutely does matter. Um, mm-hmm. But your, your forgiveness is not conditional upon it is, is kind of the key. Um, so if you forget, like, okay, don't worry, like, God forgave you. Um, cause the priest doesn't say like, you know, you know, do your penance right here and now, and then, and then I'll absolve you. He absolves you first. Um, but you, you should do your penance. Um, and it helps us then to move forward and to, and to grow in, um, in virtue so that we can, you know, live a renewed life because we say at the end of the act of contrition that like, I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to sin no more and to avoid the occasion of sin. Okay. If we actually like, take that to heart, then I'm going to firmly resolve to, to change my life and to live differently, to live in the light. Um, and to really like repent of my sins. Um, but that always means first that I I've come to the healer. I've come with what I have. Um, and I don't hold anything back from him. Yeah. The, the penance I must think of is it's almost like the medicine or like the cast almost. It's the thing that comes after the healing, mm. um, but it's extra strength and protection. So that the same injury or the same illness doesn't occur again. Mm-hmm. Although it might occur again by our own weakness, that penance is there to strengthen us and to yeah. ensure that hopefully it doesn't, as long as we're doing all the things we should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. This is, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Right on, right on, right on. Well, that's all, I, that's all I have on confession Um, well that's all we got here at the catch thank you guys for listening Um, please pray for us we'll be praying for you Uh, yeah if you have any questions email us at thecatchcc at gmail.com 
Other than that, bye-bye. Peace.